Miss Saigon, a musical that premiered in the West End at the Theatre Royale in September 1989, is about an American male GI who falls in love with a young Vietnamese orphan who works as a bar girl and as a prostitute. As an immediate hit, Miss Saigon ran for 4,264 performances before closing on October 30th, 1999. However, alongside growing popularity, Miss Saigon has also earned a lot of criticism. In today's video, we're going to be exploring the controversy surrounding Miss Saigon, and why revivals of Miss Saigon have been met with harsh criticism and also good proponents. Sit down, relax, open a bag of your favorite snack, and enjoy the rest of this video. But first, let's do a recap and a summary of Miss Saigon. Let's jump straight into it. The play takes place shortly before the end of the Vietnam War in April 1975 at a Saigon bar and brothel called Dreamland. At this bar, a bunch of US Marines are partying with Vietnamese prostitutes and bar girls. Then the main character appears. She is Kim, a 17-year-old girl who is a peasant and an orphan. The owner of the joint, a French Vietnamese hustler, comes into the scene as well, bringing along Kim. From now and for on, I'm calling him the engineer. Main character Kim is inexperienced with her work and doesn't really know how to act generally. And while the US Marines party with the Vietnamese sex workers, Sergeant Chris Scott, the other main character, suddenly becomes attracted to Kim and her inexperience rather than the other girls. Eventually, the girls begin competing for the title of Miss Saigon. A girl called Gigi Van Tran wins, and she begins begging the Marine who won the raffle to take her back to America, which results in another song that annoys the Marine. Chris doesn't care. With the help of his other US Marine friend, John, he is able to get a room with Kim. Throughout these early scenes, Kim is noted as a virgin, an orphan, reluctant, and shy. Later, while Chris is watching Kim sleep, he asks why he has to leave Vietnam despite just meeting this amazing girl. When Kim wakes up, Chris offers her money, but she dismisses it, saying it was her first time sleeping with a man. In response, Chris vouches to take her to America. Flash forward, Chris and Kim are now much closer. In the following scene, the bar girls hold a ceremony for Chris and Kim for their wedding. However, Tue, Kim's cousin, who was meant to be her husband, comes in and is disgusted by Kim marrying a white man. However, Kim argues that because her parents are both dead, there is no promise slash bond anymore, and so she doesn't have to marry Tway. Tway leaves, and Chris and Kim do another dance. The play jumps three years later in 1978. Saigon, now Ho Chi Minh City, is celebrating the defeat of the Americans. Tue, the rejected husband, is now a commissar in the Communist Party and has contacted the French Vietnamese hustler, or the engineer dude, who ran the brothel to find Kim. It is evident throughout this portion that Kim and Chris are separated. Additionally, Kim is still obsessed over Chris and always has dreams of Chris, while on the other hand, Chris is literally sleeping with his new American wife. But in a later scene, Chris wakes up in cold sweat because he had a nightmare that Kim was in danger. A bit later in another scene, the engineer shows Tue where Kim is. Tue begins forcing her to marry him, but Kim pulls out her three-year-old baby called Tam. Tam is the child of Kim and Chris. Tue is shocked and tries to kill Tam, but Kim grabs a gun and shoots Tue, killing him. Kim flees with Tam while the engineer dude laments about being Vietnamese and wishes to go to the US. 
The engineer suddenly realizes that Tam's father is American and this could be a chance for him to emigrate to the US. He essentially gives himself the role of the uncle and helps Kim for now and for on on getting back to America or at least sending her child to America. Alright, act two, let's get straight into it. In Atlanta, Georgia, John, aka the dude who helped Chris hook up with Kim, sees that there is an aid organization that can connect Vietnamese children to their American fathers. John tells Chris that Kim is alive, and Chris is relieved, mentioning he had nightmares of her dying. Chris tells his American wife, now known as Ellen, he got to go, and he has to go get Kim. Fast forward to when Chris and John and Ellen arrive at Vietnam. Kim is now working as a dancer. John encounters Kim and is about to give her the unfortunate news that Chris is married, but Kim interrupts happily that since John is here, Kim and Tam can finally get going to the US. Unfortunately, John cannot bring himself to break the news to Kim. Let's flash a bit earlier into a previous scene. In the following scene, we get a flashback to understanding why Kim and Chris were separated in the first place. In 1975, Chris is called to the embassy. So he has to go, and he leaves his gun with Kim. Chris and Kim are separated, with Kim being left behind the gates of Vietnam while Chris is about to board the helicopter. John, his friend, prevents him from going back to Vietnam by basically beating him in the face and knocking him out unconscious. But while on this helicopter, Chris pledges his love to Kim, saying that he loves her and that he's going to come back. The next scene brings us back to the present. It is 1978, and Kim is now wearing wedding clothes because she believes she is going to marry Chris. Kim goes to Chris's room only to find Ellen there. Ellen breaks the news that Chris is married to her. Kim is incredibly sad, but still in denial. Kim wants Tam to still have a chance to go to America, so she offers him to Ellen. And like any sane person would do, Ellen declines. So Kim leaves in search for Chris. Chris and John return after their failed search for Kim. Ellen tells them everything. Chris and John blame themselves for not being able to get there on time, and John later realizes that Kim wants Tam to be a quote-unquote American boy, whatever implication that means. Ellen gives Chris an ultimatum, her or Kim. Chris says he already pledged his love to Ellen, so he's staying with her, not Kim. However, they agree to send money to Vietnam for Kim and Tam. John thinks to himself that they are selfish. While this is all happening, Kim tells the engineer that they're going to America, and the engineer begins imagining all the happy things. Kim tells her son that he should be happy because he finally has a dad. While Chris comes, Kim hides behind a curtain and shoots herself. Chris immediately rushes into the room to find Kim and picks up Kim. After a lot of sadness, Kim dies, and the play is over. Alright, after finishing the recap and summary, let's jump straight into the controversies. Miss Saigon has been the subject of much criticism. One of the most notable ones has been the yellow face controversy. Essentially, the yellow face controversy is basically when a white actor plays the role of an Asian actor and uses eye prostheses or bronzing cream to appear more Asian, essentially whitewashing the cast. In the original London production, a white British actor, Jonathan Price, portrayed the leading role of the engineer using prosthetics and makeup to alter his appearance. You've, you've had to have special makeup for all this. You're not wearing it at the moment, obviously, but you've had to have... <laughs> Just a little white street have, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to get the, the eyes out. Yeah, they, they don't go that way, Terry. They go this way. They're sort of, uh, you tell that to Prince Philip. <laughs> prosthetics. Prosthetics. It's a, a light, sort of uh, very light latex. This decision sparked outrage and controversy. 
protests erupted on Broadway when it was announced that Price would reprise his role as the engineer using yellowface. Asian American actors and community members voiced their opposition to the portrayal, citing the long history of Caucasian actors impersonating Asian characters in media and their desire for more authentic representation. Some theater critics defended the director's right to make casting decisions, while others supported the protests against yellow-faced representation. After Equity denied Jonathan Price's new role as the engineer, the main director, Cameron McIntosh, faced a very difficult decision. He could choose to either continue the show or to not let it continue, and at the end, he chose to not let it continue. This decision sparked a lot of controversy. On one hand, a lot of people were arguing that white actors shouldn't play Asian actors and there should be more Asian American representation within the casting. On the other hand, a lot of people thought that incorporating race into these decisions was meaningless and there was no point. However, at the end, this decision led to a significant change within the casting for future plays. Casting director Tara Rubin acknowledged the Asian American acting community's valid concerns, and since then, no Caucasian person has been in the cast in the role in the United States. This change created increased opportunities for Asian American actors, leading to a positive impact on their representation in the field. That form of controversy has died down recently, because now that there are more Asian American actors, no one really has a problem. However, there is another controversial topic that hasn't really died down. Another controversy with Miss Saigon is that it is racist, orientalistic, and paternalistic. Critics have accused Miss Saigon of basically infanticizing and feminizing Asia under a more male and dominant American figure. First, there is an overarching theme of white supremacy where Chris and Kim's romance serves to legitimize American justice in the Vietnam War. Asian characters are not depicted in a positive light and are often characterized as opportunistic or villainous. Kim, the central character, is also perceived as being written as weak. I'm not joking when I say this, but I could feel the white man's burden when I was watching the play. In a number called The Heat Is On, we see Asian sex workers beg the attention of American military men. The American men are always seen as the more dominant, especially when it comes to the end when Chris Scott literally has the power over Kim's entire life. This is also a form of misogyny and patriarchy as there is no female ownership whatsoever. As one Deadline article says, there are several instances of women spreading eagles and men burying their faces in crotches. Its 70s brand toxic masculinity at its best, and another layer of disgust is added when in one part of the scene ends in violence after a woman begs a GI to take her to America. Furthermore, Kim is 17 years old and Chris Scott's like an old man. As another article points out, Chris spots her from across the room and is immediately taken by her golden heart, innocence, and purity and sings, Good Jesus John, who is she? I must reiterate, she is 17 years old. Second, Asian individuals are perceived in harmful stereotypes. Asian men, as stereotypically seen in Western media, are desexualized and perceived as shady, strange men such as Tui. Asian women are seen as small and powerless and easily swooned by strong buff white men. The engineer even has a line where he reflects on himself and his people and calls them quote-unquote greasy chinks. One thing about this which I found ridiculously laughable is that one of the songs in Miss Saigon is not actually using the correct language. 
During the original production of Miss Saigon, one of the songs did not actually use Vietnamese, it used a bunch of gibberish. Ralph B. Peña, referring to it as gobbledygook, criticizes this lack of authenticity. However, for the Broadway revival, the changes were made to address this issue. In conclusion, the majority of the controversy surrounding Miss Saigon comes from 1. The yellow face controversy, 2. The overarching colonizing narrative, and 3. Perpetuating harmful stereotypes. As one Vietnamese writer says, quote, but I left with a headache, the kind of headache you get when you are forced to keep your emotions silent, so they travel to your cranium. To say that my friends and I didn't like Miss Saigon is an understatement. If the show was trying to tell the story of Vietnamese people, we did not recognize ourselves or our parents in any of the faces we were seeing on that stage. Instead, all we could see were desperate, pathetic victims, people who were completely different from the resilient, courageous, multifaceted men and women of Little Saigon. Because of these three main controversies, there has been a lot of backlash to Miss Saigon. During performances, protesters made their voices heard, particularly during the Bangkok number, leading to disruptions in their eventual removal from the theater. There have been numerous protests that have caused Miss Saigon to not be as popular and to change a lot of its songs or casting members. However, there have been revivals that have treated this play with more care. Most revivals entailed having more Asian American actors or actresses and also requiring more in-depth research on Vietnam and the Vietnam War. But at the end of the day, whether or not you like Miss Saigon or you don't, there are some pretty hard facts that none of us can really deny. Asian Americans are still suffering two problems. First, a lot of the shows and movies that play Asian actors or take place in Asia don't usually feature the Asian actors or Asian American actors who should be playing those roles in those environments. And second of all, a lot of the film and cinema that we see today further perpetuates harmful stereotypes about Asian Americans or Asians, which is also bad for the entire Asian American community. Though today it is much better, such as Everything Everywhere All at Once, Crazy Rich Asians, a lot of these movies help actually break the boundary of racist stereotypes. But that's really all there is for today's video. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check out my other videos or anything else on my YouTube channel. I'd gladly appreciate it. And also if you could subscribe, like, or comment.